Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. As we continue our series, Way, Truth, Life, we examine the practices through which God works in us. Like any relationship, the start is only the beginning of a path of intentional growth and grace. And so... To begin today, I want to talk about something that some of you already know about me, and I think I've talked about this before, but it, it just bears repeating that now that it's October, some of us are starting to turn on the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> Have they started the Christmas movies already? Oh, the Lord bless them and keep them. Uh... The Hallmark Channel at this moment in time begins to play movies nonstop about, well, they're about Christmas, but they're also a lot about romance, right? And pretty much 95% of all Hallmark movies follow the same exact equation. You know exactly how it's going to end. And at the end of the day, what it is, it's a tale of romance right? It's a tale of two people coming together despite their differences, despite their annoying differences or comedic differences, whatever it might be, right? We have an entire industry dedicated to romantic stories, and it's not just, in the, it's not just on TV. It's also in our theaters. It's also in our books, right? There are some people who are defined by the Twilight series, Back in the day, my wife being one of them. Hi, honey. I'm going to get that later. Uh, either case, we have an entire industry dedicated to stories where two people end up together, right? Maybe you enjoy romantic comedies and things like that, and what makes them comedic is they shouldn't be together. Like, I think that's the funniest thing. Is like, we're watching this happen, and it's like, there's some red flags here, but yet we're still cheering them on to end up together, and then they kiss, and then as the camera pans away, it's over, and everybody assumes that it's happily ever after. But anybody who is anybody, regardless if you've been in a romantic relationship or just a normal friendship, understand that there is no relationship that has a point that just ends with happily ever after. Actually, that's when the real work begins in the relationship, when you begin to really sort out some like major differences and things like that. To remain friends or to even or to go into a romantic relationship, you have to, well, work at it. And there are certain things that you say yes to and there are certain things that you say no to. But we get stuck so much on these experiences, these moments when they end up, and it's like, oh, everything's going to be great. It's why Disney is a billion-dollar company today, and it is why the Hallmark Channel is now playing those movies 24-7. <laughs> we, like, we like it. It feels good. That experience compels us. And in every person's journey with God, in every person's journey with Christ, 
after they have received Jesus into their life, they have received his grace, they have received forgiveness, and they begin to be restored, or, or even the second experience that we talked about two weeks ago, sanctification, you feel good. There's an experience that happens surrounding these momentous occasions in our journey with God. There is nothing like receiving forgiveness, restoration, renewal, and purpose. But I think sometimes we Disneyfy, Disneyfy, Disneyfy. We Disneyfy our walk with God. I've got God. It's all good now. Everything's going to be easy. I, I mean, I'm really compelled to not lean into who I used to be. I am sanctified. Everything's going to be good now. It's going to come natural where I don't want to do these things again. I won't be tempted at all. No, it's actually just the beginning of a journey. It's, the be it's a transformation that continues on. And it's why this series is known as a, a journey of grace. This is a road that we go down. And some of the, the struggles that people have after receiving Christ is they go down one of four incomplete pathways. They go down these pathways of following Jesus like, okay, Jesus really, really wants me to make sure I get my do's and my don'ts perfectly. And what happens is they begin to cling to rules. They begin to cling to this way of life in such a way that they they lean into it so hard that they don't realize that they're leaning into rules instead of God. And they sometimes, and I, I can share from my own testimony, enforce those rules on other people who do not have that same kind of experience. And they become judgmental and jerk-like. That's one path. Another path is some of us, oh, I had this experience and now everything is going to be spiritual. And they spiritualize everything. Hey, where do you want to go for lunch? We need to pray about it. I'm sorry? You need to pray about Italian or Mexican? You don't need to do that. <laughs> That's a caricature, but there is an, almost this obsession that almost we got, there is... There's almost like this removal of, of practicality and everything's up here, pie in the sky kind of spirituality. When in reality, a walk with Christ is very practical. That's the second one. A third one is what I like to call drug Christianity. They're looking for the next spiritual high. They go to a service, they go to a retreat, they go to a concert, they go to this, they go to that, and they're continuously searching for this emotional high that comes, and they don't really know how to deal with the every single day life that's there. And lastly, the other path is, it's all about knowledge. I'm going to learn everything I can about God so much that I'm going to know, I'm going to understand everything about God. That's a very dangerous slope, by the way. 
Because the more you learn about God, the less you know about God. (laughs) And what this looks like, y'all, is I know people who listen to sermons and read scripture daily, but have a terrible attitude towards other people. Terrible attitudes towards other people. I know people who have given themselves to Christ at church and retreats, but their everyday routines are the same exact thing. Nothing changed on Monday through Saturday, but the Sunday, oh yeah, yeah, feel good on Sunday, feel good on these retreats. I know folks who read, read, and read, and read, and read, and read, and know so much about God, and yet they attack people on social media as soon as they see something that is not within the worldview that they have learned. I have seen people who believe in Christ but hate others. I've seen people who believe in Christ who refuse to serve beyond their comfort zone. I have seen people who believe in Christ but have secret sins. I have seen people, and I can't even say that I've never not struggled with some of these things. There is something that has to be greater than one of these four pathways. It can't just be, I'm saved, and then it's all about learning, or it's all about having the right belief, or it's all about doing the right things, or it's all about this. And so today, we're going to be in the book of Acts once again. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42, will be on the screen for you, but you can pull out your Bibles or your apps here in the next few minutes. And we get a glimpse of the people who follow Jesus after they have received the Spirit, after that sanctification moment. If you If you remember two weeks ago, we talked about Peter individually, remember? And Peter went from everything that he knew to everything really being led by the Spirit in amazing ways. And he had this fantastic sermon on the day of Pentecost, right? And what led to that moment was the fact that he was cooperative with God. Up before that moment, he was open to God and prayer, and he was spending time with his brothers and sisters who followed Jesus as well. And that same cooperative spirit is seen again whenever Acts talks about the early church and how they lived life together. And within that, we are going to receive some practices for the journey. We're going to receive something amazing that grows us in God. So, again, Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42, we read these words. I read from the Common English Bible, if your Bible is a little bit different. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles, and all the believers were united and shared everything. 
They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes, and they shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. And the Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. The Spirit comes. They have this amazing experience. They feel free from sin. They are looking to move forward. And what do they do? They hang out with each other. (laughs) A lot. A very diverse group of people from all different backgrounds, all different socioeconomics, all different ethnic backgrounds are spending time together doing specific things cooperating with the Spirit so that they would continue to grow. And not just grow in the way that we think grow and means getting bigger, growing within, becoming different people. And that very first verse shares with us four of those practices. Now, if you've ever been in church before, or if you have any kind of perception of church, you're going to hear these practices, and you might think of, that sounds like work, or that sounds like I need to live a very disciplined life. Sometimes we call them disciplines. Certain backgrounds call them obligations. What these are, is, I think, best described by a word that one of our theological forefathers, John Wesley, said. To devote yourself to the teaching, to the community, the people around you, to shared meals and to prayers, these are means of grace. Means of grace. They are ways That we receive God. We open ourselves to God. We we get an understanding of how much He loves us. How much He cares for us. How much He wants to work within us. Grace is unmerited favor and these actions open ourselves to receiving all that God has for us. And that means... Understanding Him. That means certain habits and routines. That means receiving ways to live differently than we did before. And this passage has four of them, and the means of grace are not limited to these four. What means of grace does is it moves us beyond ourselves and what we know. Remember two weeks ago we talked about we do what we know? God has something far better, far beyond what we know. A life that is filled with his love and his forgiveness and that joy and and that justice and that holiness And because we don't know it, we have to open ourselves to Him in these ways, these means of grace. 
And as we participate, transformation happens to us. So much that we might do revolutionary things. That's the very interesting part about this. You read about these four practices, and then you begin to get a picture of what this, com this community is like, and you hear things like, they would gather their possessions like a commune and give to those in need. Oh, that's a different economic system than what we experience today, doesn't it? It is an economic system of generosity. Hey, you need something? I got you. Don't, you don't, it's not this concept of you are your own person. No, we are the church together and I've got you. For that transformation to happen, you begin to recognize how important these means of grace are to participate in, that they begin to transform how you see the world and how you see people and how you treat people and how you live with other people and how you forgive people, all of it. The fellowship of believers share more than common beliefs and core values. They display a profound regard for one another's spiritual and physical well-being as a community of friends. I think it's important to realize that it's not just one practice. Remember the four paths we talked about earlier? That's holding on to a practice and just going full-fledged down that pathway. And you might find yourself being cold or not really fully recognizing that God's grace infiltrates your mind and your heart and your spirit and your relationships. God infiltrates your actions and your words, your routines, your schedule, your family, your friends, your workplace, your school. And he infiltrates them through you and I as we open ourselves to him in these means of grace, these practices. Dr. Busick says this, to be holy gods is to share in all of God's promised life. As more of ourself is relinquished to God, so follows greater peace and joy which sounds so counter to what we think. I need to hold on to this, and I need to hold on to my goals and my aspirations and my possessions and my passions and all these other kinds of things, and that's going to bring me joy, and that's going to bring me peace, when in reality, it is handing them over to God and allowing Him to do what He wants in them. That is when we receive greater peace, when we receive greater joy, when we are able to love as He loved us, when we have a hope that far beyonds, that goes far beyond our circumstances. It's all of it. And so, you and I must be sure to participate in the means of grace. 
period. Not a mean of grace, the means of grace. All of it. And in this particular passage, the four is simple. Dedicating ourselves to the apostles' teaching. Our faith has been received from Jesus and from those who have followed him before us. We have to dedicate ourselves to the community, a shared life. You cannot have a good faith in Christ without the faith community. I know a lot of people think that, oh, if I just spend my time individually, it's good. But you know what you do when you do that? When you read, when you do all these things by yourself, you might find yourself starting a cult. (laughs) I say that jokingly, but you will not believe how many leaders have risen to power because they read their interpretation of the Bible in such a way that it led to them being a domineering, abusive person to other people. I can't tell you how many people who I've met who have this picture of Jesus that is not Jesus at all. And it comes by isolating themselves from others. You cannot love somebody by not being with somebody. There is a There is a desperate requirement to be with each other and to live in this love with others. We must embrace shared meals, which some of us say, Amen! Oh, I love food. But shared meals, we have really forgotten how important they are. See, when you sit at a table, you're on the same level as somebody else. When you're at a table, you're sharing the same food as somebody else. When you're at a table, you begin to talk and recognize and see and hear another. When you begin to share a meal. You dine with those who are different than you. And a part of that shared meal is the meal that Christ gave us. Yeah, it can be potlucks, it can be all those things, but it's also the bread and the wine. And lastly, Prayer. Yes, daily individual prayer, and yes, corporate prayer with others. Because here's the deal if we ignore one of these things, listen to what might happen to us. N.T. Wright, I think, sums this up really well. If we ignore the apostles' teaching, we will end up giving our minds to the surrounding culture and begin mixing it with Jesus and say, Jesus wants us to do this. No, no, no. Come back. Come back to what Jesus said. Come back to the apostles. Come back to the church. If we ignore a common life, we become isolated. I think 
many of us had experienced this in shutdown, did we not? Was it not difficult to have a faith in Christ when we were not together? If we ignore breaking the bread, what we do is we fail to recognize that God has given us a weird way to live from the rest of the world. (laughs) Who gets together and breaks bread and calls it Christ's body? Who gets together and drinks wine and calls it Christ's blood? Who gets together and dunks their people in water? The Christian life is odd. Not just in our practices, but in how we treat others. We don't go for what we want. We don't go for the richest things in the entire world. We live simple, humble, forgiving lives. If we ignore prayer, we forget that we are people who have a citizenship not of this world. Evelyn Underhill says this, most of our conflicts and difficulties come from trying to deal with the spiritual and practical aspects of our lives separately. You ever been tempted to do that? Well, this is my spiritual life, and here's the rest of my life. You will find yourself with very little peace in a life like that. We find a lot of conflict and difficulties when we try to separate them. Instead of realizing that spiritual and practical aspects of our lives are parts of one whole life. If our practical life is sensed with our own interests, if our practical life is cluttered up by possessions, if our practical life is distracted by ambitions and passions and wants and worries, if our practical life is beset by a sense of our own rights and importance, anxieties for our future or longings of our own, for our own success, we need not expect that our spiritual life will be a contrast to all of this. In other words, you'll say you believe in Jesus, but your life will not look like it. Essentially what happens is When we do not participate in the means of grace, open ourselves up to God to transform us, what will happen is we will be like the majority of Hallmark relationships. They will flame out as soon as the camera shuts off. So will our faith flame out. It is a holistic life that we have been called to. So, friends, Are you participating in the means of grace, not just here on Sundays, but every moment of your life? Are you devoting yourself to the teaching that we have received from Christ, from the apostles, from the church? Are we sharing life together? Or is your church life literally just this? Oh, hi. Do you ever have meals with each other? Do you ever call one another and connect with each other beyond? Have we given into media as a way to receive a message instead of being in contact with each other? I, I'm fully aware, for those of you who are watching online, that this is really not the way to do church. 
You're getting a word. You're not getting the love. And you're not able to give the love. Are we praying together? Have you ever noticed that our Sunday services incorporates, incorporates pretty much all of these things on a regular basis? Come together, we sing together, we pray together, we eat together, which we will here in just a moment. We dedicate ourselves to the teaching. But that's just an hour of your week. How are these things incorporated into our lives on Monday and Wednesday and Thursday and every day? These are not just meant for consumption weekly. They are meant for participation daily. And this is why, and I understand that our church's offerings and ministries are not always comprehensive. But this is why we have groups. This is why we have events for us to come together in fellowship and to live lives differently. This is why the ministries of the church doesn't have to just be confined to, hey, there's an event happening. It can be you calling up that person over there and saying, hey, let's go get coffee or let's go do this. Or just calling, how are you doing? How's life? Are you okay? What can I do for you? And as we participate in these ways, the life that we live will manifest amazing things, just like the early church. We'll begin to give to others generously. We'll begin to serve others endlessly. We'll think of others instead of ourselves in life. We'll embrace each other in, in wonderful ways that are far different than the rest of the world. So, are you participating in the means of grace? If not, it's time to start. It's time to start having a routine, opening your Bible, of praying individually, and with others. Are you praying? Are you sharing meals? Are you giving to others? Are you serving? Here's some practical ways that this can begin to manifest itself. Be in a group. And if a group doesn't meet at a time, let's talk about starting another one. Be here on Sundays. Embrace events that we offer. Share new ones. We have an event coming up here in November that none, nobody in leadership thought was coming up. And somebody just came up to me and said, hey, I want to do this. Yes, do it. And if you struggle... To find space for prayer, find space for scripture, find space for others. One of the greatest places to start is actually in your car. I know, it's, it's weird. But if you're on your way to somewhere, you don't have to listen to the fifth Madonna song in an hour from 89.9 or 
you mix 98.9, that's it, yeah. You don't have to listen to Madonna. You can pray. You can get on your phone and you can listen to Scripture. You can call somebody. Pretty much every single one of our cars these days has Bluetooth. You don't have to do this anymore. If you struggle to sit in prayer, start with a minute prayer and then go two minutes and then go three minutes. If you're like me and you can't sit still, if you go on walks, if you exercise, these are spaces for prayer and meditation. And maybe you're going to have to sacrifice some things to be with others. Maybe our lives and our ambitions and our passions, our hobbies or whichever they might be, might fade in comparison to the growth that God might have for us as we meet with others and share with others. The life of Christ, with Christ, is a journey, and we are transformed when we participate in the means of grace. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.